Back at it on a Saturday. Savage Kramer here on the Bet 1660. Welcome to Hour 2, everyone. If you missed anything that happened in the first hour, it'll be on the podcast page after this. You know, if you just go to the work the Google on the internet machine, you type in Saturday Kramer, moi, I show up for your listening uh, pleasures. That helps you. Uh, is it? Uh, is it titillate your juices? Does it? A little, uh, a little maximum male models esque type of viewing ship. The WWE reference, reference by the way. Former, uh, I mean, L A Knight. Yeah. What he, that's what he was doing uh, before he the L.A. Night Mania has ran wild. Man, it's been a while. It's fun, fun to watch. By the way, also, side note, wrestling, love wrestling. You all know this. I talk wrestling every once in a while. Kevin Owens was, on, was a commentary on SmackDown last night. Ooh, 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 I need more Kevin Owens on commentary. That was absolutely fun. It was enjoyable. Heck, my commentary stuff doesn't uh, it's starting to start here in the next few months. Back at it. Back at it in the wrestling business, Kramer. I love it. I love the wrestling business is a fun one to be in. It's very, it's enjoyable, especially meeting all the people because everybody's, everybody's so nice. Everybody's so nice in the wrestling world, whether if you are big time or not, everybody is, it's a good support, supportive ship. And granted, there's also, there's obviously those bad eggs, but those bad eggs are, everywhere, are always everywhere. But I love, I love the wrestling business. I'm glad, I'm glad I'm back into it. Glad I am back into it. But let's get into fair or foul. That's what you guys came here to was listen to Fair Effects, especially the, the, that tease I gave you before we went to break. Shohei Otani. Love this man. Love him. Shohei Otani donated over 60,000 baseball gloves to Japanese elementary schools. One, this is by far the biggest fair ever in the fair or foul history here on Sarah's Kramer. Good work, Shohei. Shohei is the best, whether it comes to on the field or off the field. Shohei Otani is growing the sport from from the, the jump. Fantastic! This is uh, this is what he had to say on it. I am happy to announce that I will be donating approximately sixty thousand youth gloves to every elementary school in Japan. That comes out to around twenty thousand elementary schools. I am hoping the kids can spend their day happily with a lot of energy through baseball. You want to grow the sport? You do that. I don't know. I can, I mean, I'm assuming there is, but this is an astronomical number of sixty thousand gloves. That's that's a one. That's a lot of money. Uh, that is incredible. If you want to grow the sport, you put all those baseball gloves at elementary schools to get their the kids' hands on it right now, because what Shohei Otani just did. There's a lot of people who love Shohei Otani, whether they're kids or adults, that see what he just did, especially for the kids. The kids over there in Japan probably idolize, worship what Shohei Otani has done. And the fact that now they got a baseball glove from Shohei, and if they love baseball, if they didn't love baseball, they're going to get this glove and be like, yeah, I'm going to try baseball. They might fall in love with baseball, and there might be the next Shohei Otani, whatever. Out of those 60,000 kids who received a baseball glove, might be maybe three of them become Shohei Otani or four of them, maybe five, maybe six, maybe seven, maybe eight, maybe 10, maybe actually 20 to 100 of these kids might become Shohei Otani. And that's the next youth movement of baseball from Japan. 
we already know there have been a lot of incredible players that have come through Japan and play here in Major League Baseball. Maybe that's what their that's what maybe what their end goal game is. It'd be so much fun. Shohei Otani doing this, absolutely fantastic. This needs to happen more often. Whether if it is over in Japan or whether it's some American player here in the United States giving it donating um, uh, gloves to somebody like this, this is awesome. Like words really can't describe my enjoyment of this. Love it, enjoy it. It's it's great. It's great for the sport of baseball. It's great for growing the sport of baseball, and that's what Shohei Otani does. He grows the sport and makes it better. Pay the man, people. I'm ready for Shohei Otani news. Ready for Shohei Otani news. Ready for wherever he's going to go because it's just going to be great things all around it. 1,000% times infinity fair for that one right there. The Detroit Tigers hired Jason Benetti to do to be their next play-by-play voice. Kramer, why is this unfair or foul? Because Jason Benetti was the Chicago White Sox voice for the past five years, I believe. And he's one of the most incredible guys in baseball. Great story. Knows everything. Knows the ins and outs. Could be the next Tim Kirchin if he wanted to. But he's not. He's the first Jason Benetti. I find it hilarious. Everything seems to be going from... It went from incredible to good to what we're doing to bad to worse to... Jason Benetti is leaving to the Chicago White Sox. That is the Chicago White Sox in a nutshell since 2020. Since the arrival of Tony La Russa in Chicago to now. So such an incredible downfall. And the fact that you're the fact that your your play-by-play guys jump and ship to go across the going across to Detroit. To one of your rivals to now broadcast that team. So funny. It's so funny. Like, this is hilarious. Like, I this I enjoy this type of pettiness. Because I I don't know. I'm not saying Jason Benny's petty or anything by any of this. But it's funny. It's enjoyable. It's like, what can we spin the narrative of like what's going through my mind? Is it the fact that Jason Benny one contract didn't get renewed from the Chicago White Sox, which it should have been? Jason Benetti is like, I, out of play-by-play guys right now in baseball, he might be the number top two, and he ain't number two. He's one of the most recognizable voices. Heck, he's done a lot more um, uh, national television stuff as well, which is like good for you, man, because like, he deserves to be it. But I like this. I like this move. I just move a lot. I, this is fair. This is fair. Uh, this is Jason Benetti pretty much giving the middle fingers to what the Washington, what the uh, White Sox have done uh, for the past few years because uh, they just suck. And now going to a team that I think then the Tigers finished second in the division. I'm pretty sure the Tigers finished second in the division. It's good. Enjoy it. This is fair. Fair or foul? Bryce Harper is the mainstay at first base from here on out. I have a bone to pick with this one. I find this to be fair and foul. Bryce Harper is a incredible gold glove outfielder. He won the gold glove, didn't he? Before I say that, before I throw that term loosely out there, Bryce, B-R-Y-C-E, A Harper. Bryce Harper, let's go to baseball reference. They'll tell me that within a matter of seconds. I can just go on the thing. I believe he's a gold. He's not a gold glove award winner. But you know what he is? He's a two-time, two-time MVP in Major League Baseball. 
but he's going to stay the mainstay at first base. And that right there proves the fact that the Philadelphia Phillies are no longer in the midst of Reese Hoskins. His, he's not, I mean, he tore his ACL in spring training this, uh, this last year, and he will be ready for opening day, I hope, for this upcoming 2024 season. I mean, we've seen how people bounce back from ACL injuries. Heck, people are coming, turning around a, a uh, what's the Achilles, uh, Achilles tear in four months. So the the human body is works wonders, and right now it seems like modern medicine is being able to get players back faster, bigger, and stronger, not on PEDs, but being able to get them back into their sport in a manageable time rather than waiting a full year of its existence. So the Phillies moved on from Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins is a big bat. Reese Hoskins, if he was in the Phillies lineup this past year, that would have made it even more of such a dangerous lineup for the Phillies. They probably actually would have went to the World Series and they would have won the World Series. They would have been a better team than the, the Arizona Diamondbacks if Reese Hoskins was, was in that lineup. But they're moving on from Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins is going to be a free agent. Knock on the door. Hey, Ace, who who wants the, 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 the lucrative power bat in Reese Hoskins? I think every single team in Major League Baseball wants it. But now it is a proven fact that he will be a free agent due to Bryce Harper being the mainstay at first base. I do find it odd. Go from the outfield of being one of the best out there, have a great arm. I know you tore your uh, you tore your UCL, so that's why you had Tommy John surgery, and that's why you're first baseman. I'm kind of worried about Bryce Harper. I'm worried about the fact that maybe he can't throw the foot not football throw the baseball as hard as he wants to, as accurate as he wants to. Now him being a mainstay at first base, I'm hoping he's actually legitimately okay in that arm. But at least no, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. He doesn't have to worry about throwing, making that outfield throw, throw from right field to third base to second base to home plate, or heck, even trying to get the guy that's slow trying to make a beat out of single at first base. But I do know the fact that Bryce Harper's bat has yet to change. It's never going to change, and he's still one of the best bats in Major League Baseball. So for that, this is fair. I love the I love first base, and now first base has a little more swag with Bryce Harper there now. So it's uh. It's 50-50. It's fair and foul. Like I love Reese Hoskins, and I'm starting. And Bryce Harper's growing on me. He's been growing on me. So I, I'm curious what you guys think about that. Bryce Harper being the mainstay at first base. Just know that their infield's locked up now. Their outfield eh, a little bit sketchy. Can they hang on and can they um, do it properly in order to get them there to the next of the promised land? Fair or foul? What is the president of baseball ops for the New York Mets talking about? This is David Stearns. Like, he's... Huh? How far along are you in a GM search, and do you think it's necessary to fill that uh, position? Um, I'm not planning on filling that this offseason. Not planning? I, I'm not planning on filling that this offseason. Yeah. What was the... Uh, what's, like, a rational reason for... We have enough going on. Uh, we, we, we've got enough going on right now. Um, I think we've got a, a, a front office grouping um, that is working well together. We're learning each other. Um, and, uh, and, and frankly, that's a, that's a process that requires immense time. Um, and so we'll tackle that at a different point. I get it. I get it. I get it. You're brand new. You you don't many you don't know many people there right now. You need to get find some people that are could be your allies in this organization. And I honestly think you need to figure out a GM before the season starts. You can't not figure out a GM in the you have to do it in the offseason. You have to do it. This is a organization that needs a form of structure. And you just having an owner 
and your president and baseball operations and yourself, and that's it. That's your leeway in between you two and the manager himself, which they just what the the, the bench coach for the the New York Yankees is their new guy, Estevez. Heck, didn't the, the the he was a hitting coach last year? No, the, the bench coach, bench coach, bench coach, hitting coach was Sean Casey. Sean Casey's a free agent now as a, the coaching manager of the mayor. The um, yeah, the mayor. Uh, they it's a head scratcher. They hire a not so much of a big name as to be their manager. They probably do that because of not really much of a high ceiling there. I mean, Buck Showalter, he's probably going to be a uh, what do you what do you call them? Those guys, those guys on the plaques out there in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's going to be a Hall of Fame manager at some point. This is interesting. This is foul. Like I would, you would think you would want to get a GM there to help talk to Stephen Cohen about spending his money. Like, hey, 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 Steve, 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 Steve. You you realized you gave Justin Verlander this this money and you ended up trading him. Like you traded him back to where he started. And we got maybe a couple of good prospects out of him, but you had Justin Verlander, then you trade him. You gave him as much money as you wanted. Now Who's gonna be that that guy in between that's gonna be like, hey, hey, we, we need to not do this. We we need to think of the long term plan, not the short term plan. Our short term plan seemed pretty pretty legit. The short term plan panned out to the Mets fizzling out halfway through the season and not being good at all last year, but then paying a lot of money to a lot of different people. Like a lot of money was floated out out there by the Mets. Like a stupid amount of money was floated out there by the Mets. What are we doing here if you're the Mets right now? Like, I feel like if I was a Mets fan, like, it's funny watching Frank the Tank from Barstool. Like, he is a diehard. Diehards the diehards when it comes to being a Mets fan. I feel for him. Because, say this. Say if John Mozalock was, say if he was fired today from the St. Louis Cardinals, and they were like, you know what, we're not hiring a person. I'm not going to know the sense of the direction of what the St. Louis Cardinals are going to do because there's no general manager. What's the sense in the direction the Mets are going to do right now? If you are a fan of that team, I would be worried and I would be concerned because the Mets, on paper, right now, you got the polar bear. You got Francisco Lindor. That's it. That's going to bring your that's going to bring about that's going to bring a handful of butts to the seats. But not to the butts to the seats to what you would need for a team that is trying to win a postseason, get to the postseason, win a postseason game, and go to the World Series and win a World Series. This is not a team that's like that. And there's no direction. There's no hope. There's no nothing when it comes to the New York Mets. Still, the, the Kings of New York is in the Bronx with the New York Yankees. No matter what. No matter what. Mets are not going to be good this season. They have the... Heck... They might be. They might finish last place in the National League East this year. Marlins are good. Phillies are good. Where do you know the Braves are good? And the Washington Nationals outdid themselves this past year. Heck, the Washington Nationals got a new first base coach with the baby shark of Arado Parra's back. Arado's back, dude, 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 dude. He's the first base coach, dude, 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 dude. That's Arado's back. He's also he was the reason why he's a big help to that 2019 World Series run for the Washington Nationals. That's the only reason why I did that. His his walking music, Baby Shark. What are the Mets doing? 
I know what I'm not. I know what I'm doing. I'm not watching any New York Met baseball this year. If the only time I watch it is what the the Royals are playing them or if the Cardinals are playing them. That's the only time I'll watch them. It's the only time. So, Sarge Kramer here in the bet sixteen sixty chime throughout the show at Kramer Talks earlier in the day. Earlier in the day, I tweeted out on the X app. I X'd out out there. I I I said I asked how would you uh, you have one year to do it. How would you develop a team into a World Series team? And the options were as followed. It was analytics, adopting the new rules, money, and development of the young talent. So right now, well, this this vote ends tomorrow, by the way. Only four people, not four people, only four things on the list. Two of them have been selected. 29% say analytics. 71% say spending money. Spending money is the go-to. I'm curious what yours could be. Because I think spending spending money is the is the clear-cut winner on this. But if you can somehow figure out analytics into it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. You can't do a full 162 and then think you're going to your team's going to be good in the in the what set, take 17 wins to win a World Series. You got three, two for the wild card game. If you make it there, so if you make the wild card game, you got two, then you got three, then you got four, then you got another four. Doing my math wrong. 13 wins, 12 wins? I don't know. It's 10 o'clock, 10.17 right now on a on a Saturday morning, and I'm trying to do math. The only math that may count is one, two, and three. That's because of Call of Duty. But I we'll, we'll talk more about we'll, we'll talk about Call of Duty a little bit later on. Maybe, maybe the back half of this but that this hour. We might we might get to it. This is Sarge Kramer on the Bet 1660. That hot stove is warming up, baby. We'll discuss what has happened and some key dates that you should look forward to of wandering on deadlines. We'll do all of that next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on The Bet 1660. Guys, Kramer here in the Best 1660. I am Kramer Sanson. Follow me on Twitter at Kramer Talks. 8675309. Tom! Tom to Tom! Did you guys grow up watching? Well, I mean, I grew up watching Family Guy. <laughs> Always snuck it. Even even when I, I know you're listening to this, Mom. Uh, I, even when we were told not to watch it at a young age, we still watched at a young age. You know this. You started to enjoy the show too, so we kind of got you on the. Uh, we kind we kind of made you a little bit bad. We know we yeah no we influenced by your kids, mother. You're influenced by your kids. No no we're influenced by her. She's a saint. She's a saint. So the hot hot. Hot, hot stove. No, we're not. We probably won't be getting into the hot, 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 uh, hot topics, hot takes later on today. That there's uh, really wasn't much hot takes worthiness going around in the NFL right now. It's been the it's the, the halfway point though in the NFL. So we uh, might give you my winners here later on in the in the show. But where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? Okay, there it is. The stove is on. The stove is turning. The Cubs hire Craig Council to a five-year, $40 million deal. Makes him the highest-paid manager in MLB history. 
I was absolutely shocked by this move. Craig Council goes to the Milwaukee Brewers to the Chicago Cubs, another rivalry that is in the 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 National League Central. Craig Council goes there. What is expected and what is to come with the Chicago Chicago Cubs this upcoming um, offseason? I would not be shocked. I mean, I talked to you, I talked to you guys about this earlier on about Yamamoto. Like he is a should be a target that the Cubs are going to want to try to get. The other one might be Shohei Otani. You don't just go out there and spend this money, this much money, the being the the highest paid manager amount of money to be exact, to not go out there and want to bolster this lineup, bolster this pitching rotation, bolster this bullpen. They're going to go out there and they're going to spend money. They're going to go out there and try to get the best players possible. And if you end up signing Shohei Otani, it should make that Yamamoto move a lot more lucrative as well for him wanting to play for a guy that he somewhat knows. He played with him on Team Japan when the Team Japan beat Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. But the Cubs are out here, and they're going to be doing something. They're not going to re-sign Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger was there for his um, his one-year stint, his little prove-it deal that he had, and he opted out of his contract, and he makes himself going to make himself a lot more money out there on the open market than what he was going to make this upcoming season at Chicago Cubs uniform. Who knows? The Chicago Cubs might might end up re-signing him back as well. Like to a better deal, more lucrative deal, a deal that would keep him as a Chicago Cub for a little bit longer than two years. He was there for a year, though, so he opted out that one. The Cubs are up to something. It's up to something season for the Chicago Cubs. They are up to something, especially them signing Craig Council to this, this big deal. That's the first stop part on the hot stove. That's number one. Number two. Curious what number two is going to be. Because number two deals with the Los Angeles Angels. They hire Ron Washington as their next manager. Ron Washington, former Texas Rangers manager, former third base coach for the Atlanta Braves. He didn't re- didn't want to deal back with the Braves. Makes him a free agent. And the Angels hire Ron Washington. This move is a move because he is a true defined players coach. He's a coach that's going to get as much as he can out of his players and the players are going to look up to him and rejoice the fact that he is their head coach. It just makes him makes, makes baseball a smart move when you have a guy who the, the the players like, knowing that the players the players don't like their manager, they know things are going to go south. That's always on the back of their head. Like, man, I can't stand this guy. I can't stand this guy. I can't stand this guy. And heck, I've I mean, heck, I've, uh, I've I've experienced it myself when uh, when playing baseball. I couldn't stand my the, my head coach because just dumb decisions. And so. This would this Ron Washington move. This this is a, a move to in order to bring Shohei Otani back. This is this is what that move is. Ron Washington got another head coaching gig. Congratulations to that. You're not going to get Shohei Otani back, Angels. This was a a desperation move of saying, hey, we got one of the best coaches, the best players coach possible out there for you, Shohei. This is not going to do it for Shohei Otani. We already saw what they tried to do with the players they acquired at the deadline. They acquired great players. They acquired CJ Crone, Randall Gritchick. Go out there and get pitching. They went out and got Lucas Gilado, right out of Lopez. They were out there buying at the deadline. What did they do after one month of it not working? DFA'd them. Hunter Renfro, gone. Gilito, gone. Reynaldo Lopez, gone. 
That was the that was the very 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 first step of them trying to bring Shohei Otani and keeping him there, trying to get him into the postseason. Well, it took him a month to get rid of those guys. Yet Ron Washington, how long is he going to stay before they're like, you know what? We didn't get Shohei back. Ron, bid you do. It's halfway through the season. Go have fun. Like 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 don't come back to work. That's what I mean by go have fun because you're not having fun in a Angels uniform knowing that they're probably going to win 50 games this upcoming season. No Shohei Otani, they're winning 50 games. With Shohei Otani, they're winning 70. Sad. Absolutely sad. And like, I don't, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not, I like Ron Washington, but I think he accepted a terrible decision. The Atlanta Braves made the first move when it comes to regarding a baseball player. They exercised the $20 million option for the right-hander of Charlie Morton, a source they told the ESPN, despite significant discussion with the organization about declining it. So this thing was almost declined. This was The organization almost declined Charlie Morton's $20 million thing, but Charlie Morton, he's didn't have a good season last year. I mean, didn't have a great one, though. It was like it was like subpar. It went 14 12, 3.64 ERA. I mean, his career ERA is a, uh, is a four, so him going under a four obviously is good. And this is all in 163 and a third inning. This is a 30 game start, too. Like, you see, he's out there and still serviceable. He turns 40 tomorrow. Happy early birthday. Turns 40 tomorrow. Charlie Morton, the 40 year old, has a good curveball. He's the next Uncle Charlie that's now the uncle, the oldest Uncle Charlie in Major League Baseball. Original was Adam Wainwright. Now it's an actual name in Charlie himself, Charlie Morton. Good for you. 40 years old, making $20 million. I wish that was me. It's never going to be me. I'm never going to get close to having $20 million in my bank account. But by gosh, Charlie Morton, good for you. You you won the game of life when it comes to baseball. Good job. The fact that they were going to decline this option too, he's still got a few more years left in the tank. Man, he's been in the league since when? 2008? Started in Atlanta? I think, he's, I think he just wants to end his, uh, end his time in Atlanta, too. I mean, why not? You've been there for so long. It's also wild, too, to think that it took until 2018-2019 season to where he went back-to-back in the All-Star games. And that was when he was 34 and 35 years old. Pitchers are weird. They are. Now, like, like POs only, I think those are the most weird guys in the world. So, like, I mean, I play baseball. It's not to this level by any means or anything. But I play in the Wood Bet League here in Kansas City. And there's guys on my team that are POs, pitchers only. But guys are weird. Like, they are absolutely odd. They're odd ducklings is what they are. But you know what? They're damn good pitchers. You need them them to win games. And Charlie Morton is that exact person. It's cool. It's awesome. It's great. I enjoy it. I love it. Get, get, get paid as much money as you can, even however old you are. Cleveland Guardians hired their new manager. It didn't take long for this guy going from retiring in Major League Baseball to the very next day, it seems like he's getting a, a, a job managing a team. Steven Vogt. Absolutely love the dudes. I found uh, I found an appreciation with Stephen Vogt for how long it took him to get to the majors, and then after that, he was a mainstay in the major, um, in the majors as well. 
He got up there in 2012 at the at the age of 27. It took him a little bit to get up there, but has a mainstay for his first year of being up there for over 136 games at the age of 30. So back in 2015 with the A's. He was an all-star there. Then the next season, he was an all-star after that. This was a guy that was just hitting and hitting and hitting. At one point in time, the most home runs he's hit in a season was 18 back in that 2015 season. After that, he was a very serviceable baseball player around the majors, bouncing between times from Tampa Bay Rays, Oakland, Milwaukee, San Francisco, Arizona, Atlanta, back to Oakland, finishing it up this year back in tw- uh, back, I mean, back in 2022 at the age of 37. So the 37-year-old, 39-year-old now, that's weird. Why does it say 37 on the age part down there? But up here, he's 39 years old. I think he's 39 years old. He just had a birthday. He actually just turned 39. His birthday was on November 1st. A lot of November babies. By the way, I'm a November baby too. Uh, last uh, last Friday was my birthday. I turned 27. Yeah, I'm 27 years old, uh, and I, I wish I was able to say I played professional baseball. No, no, no. I'm a professional radio host. <laughs> That's what I am. <laughs> no, Stephen Vogt was uh, hired, but this the funny thing is, is what he was doing on the day of him finding out the news. So, like I said, the process had gone a little like cattywampus back and forth, and it was really tough you know, to really wrap my mind around when they were going to make their decision. But uh, Chris called me on Thursday and said, hey, we're going to make our decision tomorrow. And so going into Friday, I looked at Alyssa and I said, what am I going to do Friday? He didn't say when he's going to call. He didn't tell me what to do. I, I can't just sit around. So she said, well, we got some work to do out at the horse barn so we could go do that. So we uh, loaded up the tractor into the trailer or we headed out to the horse barn. And they said, hey, we're going to we're going to call you at 930. So I pulled over into feed lot and jumped on a Zoom real quick, and they they said congratulations. We want to we're going to offer you the next you know Cleveland Guardians managing job, and I accepted and proceeded to go move a big pile of horse manure all around <laughs> the horse pasture, and it was a great way to take my mind off of a day that was sure to be very stressful and uh, with anticipation of of what the decision was going to be, but. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that day and that moment and uh, what, a, what a beautiful, beautiful thing to go do right after you find out you're going to be the manager. So he's going to be doing that exact same thing that he just did this entire season. Moving the manure around the Cleveland Guardians organization. <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen. You can't tell me he's going to a perfect, uh, perfect situation for him going to signing this deal to be the next Cleveland Guardians head coach. No, 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 no. Like, this is going to help him build this chemistry. I bet you anything the players are going to love him. But it's whether or not the organization can bring the guys around him to, in order to make a successful product on the field flourish. I don't see it. Guardians are probably, they've, they are, their window is officially closed. Their window closed two seasons ago, but they kind of cemented itself last season, the 2023 season to be exact. Because once the Tigers took second place in this division, now the Tigers are about to watch out. Detroit Tigers are going to win this division. Probably not next season, but 2025, the Tigers are going to start on a, they're going to go on a, like a stretch run of just winning divisions after divisions after divisions after divisions. They are due. Guardians win is closed. I would not be shocked if they somehow get rid of Jose Ramirez at some point, whether if it's this offseason or if it's uh, during the during like the trade deadline next year. It's going to be an odd stretch of whether or not what the Guardians can do or cannot do. It's going to be a lot. So Stephen Vogt, you might have been you might have been uh, shoveling the, the manure from the horse barn. 
on Friday, you're going to be shoveling the manure from the Cleveland Guardians clubhouse now for 162 games in the regular season. That's going to be a big stretch. But now here's the key dates for the MLB offseason. So free agency began back on November 16th. Uh, not November 16th, on November 6th. November 14th, the deadline for teams to add minor leagues, leaguers to the 40-man rosters to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. That is on November 14th. So expect that deadline to be reached, and we're going to see a lot of players be opted into that. Also, November 14th, the deadline for free agents to accept or reject the qualifying offers. And then after that, it's going to get fun. It's going to get weird. It's going to get wacky. The non-trade deadline's at November 17th. Fourth of the seventh is the winter meetings in Nashville. We're gonna, I, I'm going to expect. I wish I could go. Absolutely wish I could go, and I absolutely wish I could do a show from there, from the winter meetings. At some point, I will. I know for a fact. At some point, I'm going to host a show at the winter meetings. Hell, who knows? At some point, I might be the one running the winter meetings because I might be the MLB commissioner, which I, I, I mean, I should be the MLB commissioner. I have a lot of ideas, a lot of trust, a lot of appreciation for this game. That I would want to just build it, kind of like build it and grow it, like kind of like Shohei Otani is out there in Japan, give, donating sixty thousand gloves. That's absolutely it's still ridiculous. But the Rule Five draft is on the sixth of December. The January twelfth is the deadline for teams to, to turn deadline for teams and arbitration eligible players to submit salary figures. The 29th of January is the arbitration hearings. They that's when they'll begin. And on the twenty second of February, twenty twenty four spring training games begin. I love football. I do. But we're at that point in time now that that's all we have. We have NBA as well. We have college basketball. College football is wrapping up. But I feel like for this few months till we get to February, it's going to be fun. It's going to be enjoyable because football makes the winter go by quickly. Thank the Lord because I can't stand the cold, hate the cold, I hate snow. I mean, I like watching snow come down. But I hate the snow once it's been sticking there. I hate ice. I just hate the cold. I no, I can't stand it. Luckily, football's there to make us look forward to Sundays so the weeks go by quicker. And then baseball's gonna be right around the corner once again. But at least we know every single week, right here on a Saturday, we are obviously going to get baseball content from yours truly, no matter what. I love baseball. I love baseball so much. Take a quick break right here. Played a lot of Call of Duty this uh, past few days. It came out, technically came out Friday, but I got it on Thursday because got an air. Yeah, no, I'll, we'll, we'll discuss. Well, I, I, I Call of Duty's fun. Also, I will tie it into somewhat sports related. Trust me, I'm not going to talk about Call of Duty for the last 20 minutes of the show. I might. We'll, t- we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll do that next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. Sorry, Kramer here at the Bet 1660. We're live and local as always right here in Kansas City. Yes, live and local on Kansas City, in Kansas City from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. No, no, not 10 a.m. That, that what, that's what it was last year. Nah, nah. This year is 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Let's go. Two hours. We're going on. We're approaching and approaching three hours at some point in time. Not anytime soon. Okay, weekend babies, here we come. Here we come. Here we come. Here we come. We got 18 minutes left in the show. 
So I did an adult decision this week. And my weekend started on, well, after Wednesday. After my work day on Wednesday. It was quite nice. It was quite wonderful. It was it was enjoyable. So what did I proceed to do? Well, that night, after the my lady fell asleep. She has to get up early in the morning, so that's that she she yeah, she fell asleep. I didn't, even though I was gonna get up early in the morning anyways. Got about five o'clock Thursday morning. Five o'clock, five in the morning. Just this is this is gonna this is gonna age me here. It's gonna be like you're such a Gen Z. Got up just to play video games at five o'clock in the morning. One reason, one reason why. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 dropped. I know this is a sports station. Bear with me. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 has every single map from Modern Warfare 2, the game that was released back in 2009. This is the game that I played when I was in middle school. I was in middle school. No, I was... (laughs) I think 2009 I was, was I 2011? Yeah, no, I was a seventh grader in middle school when this game released. This game released when I was a seventh grader. So you knew damn good and well I was so many reminiscing the history, reminiscing the spots that I would be at on maps. You name it. Like, there's this map called Rundown that... I was I like I was like I do not remember this map. I don't remember this map. I do not remember this map. This is the third time me playing this map on that morning. And I turn a corner, boom, deja vu. I remember the map like it was the back of my hand. I knew exactly where it was, knew exactly what to go, knew exactly where I used to run and uh to to get uh, the points capturing and all that. It felt so odd and so good at the same time. Like, I was able to play my favorite maps of Underpass, Scrapyard. They're still my favorite maps. I, I still do really good at them. But I'll tell you what, it was not fun waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning to play with the sweatiest people in the world all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you had to, like, change your settings to be, like, you're from New Zealand and all that stuff. So, I mean, I did that. kind of technically had an Airbnb out there the past few days just to use a, use a location for a location finder so I could play the game and about 40, almost 48 hours in advance. And it was actually 20-some hours in advance. But it seemed like 48 hours in advance because that's how many... It seems like the sound of game time I've already played on that thing. Already max level. I'm already just getting guns, gold and whatnot. But you didn't, hear, you didn't come for that part. Back in 2009, something I feel like shifted when it came to the sports world. Whether well, it was MLB, NFL basketball, like the sports, everything started to change, started to turn a corner, started to, a lot of players were faster, bigger, stronger without taking the PEDs. They, it just seemed like the, the game started to become more points-worthy, more more run-scoring ability, more dropping the buckets, more three-pointers, more of everything. It seemed like everything started to change around 2009, 2010, 2011, and that's what my mind went straight back there. would be like, man, 2009, that was fun. I like derail was a map that was on 2009 that i that i did not like and it's still a map that uh, to this day i still do not like on in 2023 so it's it's that sports have changed so much since 2009 it's wild it's crazy 
Like we're seeing quarterbacks being paid so much money, whether if it's Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, you name it, because it became a passing league. It became a throwing league. It became a more dominant throwing air raid attack. 2009, you were still running the football with LaDainian Tomlinson. Adrian Peterson was getting his footing. You were trying to run the football to get first downs. Now if Chiefs were trying to run the football on third and short, they're not getting the first down. But you know what? They run it. If they, they, they threw a, a throwing play on third and 10, they'll get it. It's a throwing play. Go back to 2009. Defense was being played in basketball. Defense. Yeah, the thing that we don't never see anymore because I, I, I swear, I swear, I turn on a basketball game and I obviously always see some sort of player traveling, taking more than three steps, and yet it's not being called because it's saying, oh, it's a Euro step. What is the definition of a Euro step? Don't both feet have to touch the ground at the same time in order to jump the other to other as well? No, not just one, two, three, four, and boom, layup. No, you need to have a two, two layup. That's how it's supposed to be. There's no deep. There's three pointers now. Three pointers is the most normal thing in baseball. We, not baseball, three pointers is the most normal thing in basketball. We see a seven foot six point guard now playing for the San Antonio Spurs named Victor Wimbignana. Seven foot six point guard who can just yak up threes. The game has changed. Baseball. A lot more home runs have been hit since 2009. Heck, the game even got better, and that's 2023. Game got quicker. So much has changed since 2009. Since the wee seven, seventh grader in Kramer Sandstone going to Truman Middle School up there in St. Joseph, things have changed so, so much since 2009. Whether it is video games or whether it is sports, it's absolutely wild to see and the fact that I'm living right through it. Like, I don't have to go back to history books and be like, oh, so what happened in 2009 to 2023? Like, oh, why did they have this video game that they pretty much they didn't remaster it, but they just made the multiplayer what they used to play back in 2009, and they knew somebody was going to buy it. It's kind of like if every single person from the 2015 World Series run for the Kansas City Royals decided, you know what, they're going to make a comeback. They're all going to come and play in 2024. I feel like there'd be sellouts every single week. Because, one, the nostalgia aspect. Two, can they actually come back and try to win the World Series? That would be actually fun to watch. And three, can they? Can they? Can we just see it happen? It'd be cool. Like, it would be cool to see a former team that majority of the players are still in the majors or they just retired within the past year. Because, I mean, the only reason why I said it is because of Lorenzo Cain retiring this past, um, uh, this past season. Probably the last sellout the Royals had all year. That was in May. All I know is a lot has changed. A, a lot. But I'll tell you what that has changed and changed for the good is being able to sports gamble in Kansas. That's fun. I enjoy I enjoy sports gambling in Kansas. <laughs> Everybody's got a price. I got a bet for you all, especially for the college football slate of games for today. I only did this because 
I, I <laughs> did pretty good last week on uh, doing pickums. So I have DraftKings. I'm picking four teams this week to win. Last week I picked six, and they were all the ranked games. And guess who won all six? This guy. I had to sweat out the USC-Washington game, but you know what? I still won it. Today, got a four-pick parlay. It's a plus 412, but I had the boost of four parlays or more to make that a little juicier, more little pot. 548 is what I have. My $5 boosted bet. 33% parlay boost to it to be exact. The payouts after I tell you this all. So take the Kansas money line at minus 198. Take Michigan's money line at minus 198 as well. Washington over Utah, minus 305. And Tennessee over Missouri. Sorry, Missouri folks. Tennessee is winning today, minus 142. That $5 will make you a little bit north of $30. So Kansas, Michigan, Washington, and Tennessee. I picked all the correct money lines last week. Well, six of them to be exact, and it turned out to be good. It turned out to be good. I only had to sweat one. Like I said, Washington and the USC game, they're good. And then, you know what? I made a six-pick parlay money for the for the NFL. This bet is just a, a $5 bonus bet that I put down, and it, it pays out because it's a six picks plus 2,943. I took the Jaguars over the 49ers, Baltimore Ravens over the Cleveland Browns, the Atlanta Falcons over the Arizona Cardinals, New Orleans Saints over the Vikings, Steelers over the St- Steelers over the Packers, and the Raiders over the Jets for Sunday Night Football. Yeah, let's make it. Let's make a. Let's make it a good betting day. Money lines. Go with your gut. That's my motto now when it comes to picking games and teams. Go with the gut. And I'll tell you what, my gut feels pretty good from what I ate last night. It's I I, I know I talked about it already, but man, that sh- that, that fat shack. My uh, my buddy Noah, he told me he's like Kramer, you're gonna love this place. You're this gonna be your favorite new place, his favorite new eatery. You're just gonna, you know, you're gonna like it. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna probably want it more often. You know what? You're not wrong. I want it often. I want it daily. I want it nightly. I want you all to appreciate this lovely, lovely, lovely Saturday. Give it a shout out to all those veterans out there. If it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be doing this. Put that out there. Salute to service, all that. If you know someone who's served, tell them thank you. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. Put a smile on your face, Kansas City. Don't know who they might need to see it. Have a good one. Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660.